was involved with an organization that had several installations of JD Edwards and after the the merger and even facilities today I was on the phone with a, a client a couple of weeks ago and, and same thing I don't I, I, I don't I very rarely hear people stop but I, I continue to hear JD growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing this approach needs alignment among people processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm, Elevate IQ, which ERP is designed for people-centric industries in mind. It is the one that Oracle acquired and got two major ERP brands in one go. In fact, this brand was so big that they ended up rebranding some of JD Edwards' ERP assets to this one. This is also the workday of the 80s and 90s. In the first Windows HRMS application in the era when most other systems were mainframe based. In fact, the founder of this ERP co-founded Workday. Any guesses yet? If you have guessed, people laughed. Then yes, you are right. It is the ERP that is still supported by Oracle and is majorly used by universities and public sector organizations. In today's episode, we invited a panel of industry experts for a live discussion on LinkedIn to conduct an independent review of Oracle PeopleSoft's capabilities. We covered many grounds, including which industries would be a fit for Oracle PeopleSoft and its history being as popular as Workday in the 80s. Finally, we discussed its uh, feature sets such as overlap percentage with project scheduling, workflow capabilities, and delegate management features. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you're joining for the first time, this is part of our industry series for which we meet every Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We review one vendor or the solution. And for today, we are going to be reviewing Oracle PeopleSoft. And the people who know Oracle PeopleSoft, uh, that is the solution that is known for their HCM, HRMS uh, capabilities. It used to be the workday of 80s, 90s. It is still used and, and supported by Oracle. So we are going to have a lot of fun discussing that. Before uh, we do that, we are going to start with everybody's intros. I am going to start with my intro. If you don't know me, I am Sam Gupta. Principal at Elevate IQ. Elevate IQ is the independent uh, ERP and digital transformation consulting firm. And PeopleSoft is always, uh, and JD Edwards are always two solutions that are always uh, our clients are either upgrading, migrating from them. So on that note, I am going to start with Andy on his intro. Well, thank you, Sam. My name is Andy Pratico. Uh, I've been involved in ERP software for manufacturers specifically forever. And uh, I worked all, <laughs> I worked all over North America. I lived in the U.S. for 11 years, m- 
focusing on airspace and defense contractors at the time. But uh, I am Canadian. I live, live outside of Vancouver, British Columbia. And uh, I have a published book that helps companies uncover the truth about ERPs before they buy. So thank you so much, Sam. All right. Amazing. Thank you so much uh, for being here, Andy. Um, and now, if you're in the audience and joining for the first time, make sure you guys send your questions and comments. We typically try to cover them towards the tail end of the show if you run out of time. We'll make sure that you receive your answer. Uh, on that note, Andy, I'm going to start with a quick briefing on the solution as well as the refresher uh, from some of the sessions that we have done related to Oracle. So overall, from the corporate strategy perspective, Oracle right now, as far as I can see in the their cloud strategy, if you go and try to explore the customer journeys, especially for the cloud, the way they are trying to position themselves, the way they are trying to market themselves, there are going to be only two solutions. Number one is going to be the big boy Oracle Fusion um, uh, ERP. Oracle e ERP Cloud is what they call right now. Uh, and the second is obviously going to be NetSuite, which is the one of the hottest products uh, in the SMB space. Now, uh, Oracle has acquired a lot of different products, including PeopleSoft, uh, that we are reviewing today. Uh, and they are still selling and supporting just like any other vendors in the market uh, because not every company can afford to move from these products. And obviously, any vendors, including Oracle, is cannot afford to lose all of these customers. So that's why they need to support all of these products. Uh, right now, it's not entirely clear whether they have a strategy for PeopleSoft or not. In the long term, they are still doing the support for the product more in terms of the patches. That's my understanding. They, I'm not too sure if they really have a cloud version. Uh, it does seem like that they might have single tenant cloud probably. That's how most of the legacy products are supported. But as such, they have not re-architected the product for the cloud world. Uh, that's my understanding of the product. Overall, from the sizing perspective, it is supposed to be one of the biggest products. But if you look at the industry verticals, it is not supposed to be the mainstream ERP product. And when I say mainstream, typically uh, I mean mainstream as being distribution, manufacturing, retail, product-centric industries. That's where the ERP is going to be used for a lot thicker application overall in terms of the scheduling planning. But the other industries are not going to have as much adoption of the ERP, they are going to be using it for the financial reporting, ARAP finance, maybe procurement. And that's why these ERP systems take slightly different approach the way they like to position themselves. For example, they are going to have very strong ACM component as part of their offering. Okay. And that you are going to see flavor when you look at any of the service centric ERPs. That is going to be your unit force of the world. They have very strong. ACM component, they have very strong student module, which you are not going to find in any other uh, ERP, but that is the operating system for the universities. They are also going to have very strong component of strategic sourcing, which you might not find in uh, some of the mainstream ERPs that are going to be there for distribution uh, retail manufacturing. Now, the other ERP systems that are going to be comparable with it are going to be uh, your Workdays of the world. Now, when you compare Workday, Workday, it's the same founder who created PeopleSoft. 
moved on, sold to Oracle, uh, started another company called Workday, and obviously Workday is super hot. The way Workday started, they started as the ACM product for the enterprise companies, and now they have moved into financial. It is the exact same journey for PeopleSoft as well. They uh, try to migrate more towards manufacturing as well, but for the most part, it is very service-centric, ERP in general, the way it is designed. So I'll pause there, Andy. I don't know if you're going to have any sort of commentary there. Uh, not too much, Sam, other than the fact that, you know, we always hear about the top four ERP vendors in the world being SAP, Oracle, Microsoft, and Infor. There's always a debate whether which one's third and fourth, but there's also a debate about which one's first and second. Do you have any idea uh, on that? these days, Sam? So, well, so depending upon how you define first and second, if you are mm -hmm. purely defining, uh, you know, in terms of market share, now market share could mean a lot of different things as well, okay? So when you are looking at market share in the enterprise space, typically when people say ERP1 versus ERP2, they are really talking about Fortune 1000 organizations because, you know, for them, that's their world. That's what they have seen. And for them, it's going to be, they have seen only two ERPs, which is going to be either SAP or Oracle. That's why you have number one and number two. Uh, but I don't know if there is a clear debate in terms of which is going to be number one, number two. Uh, it's really understanding which market you are talking to and for your market, which is going to be the number one ERP that you uh, want to go for. But as such in the enterprise space, if you look at the the market share based on total revenue, uh, SAP Oracle are probably still going to be the top. Uh, Andy, you are on mute if you are speaking. I just said I totally agree, sir. Amazing. So, um, all right. So Dave uh, is going to be a little late. So let's wait for him. He's going to be joining. But we're going to move on to the slides right now. So here, a couple of commentary similar to what I have already mentioned. So here, PeopleSoft is a company that provides human resources management systems, HRMS, uh, you know, capabilities. Now, if we, uh, Andy, I don't know if you remember the Workday presentation that we did, uh, you know, they also call themselves as the enterprise HCM platform. When you look at the enterprise HCM platform, for example, if you go to SAP, SAP would never claim their success factors product as the ERP because ERP is supposed to be SAP S4 HANA, Sure, SuccessFactors is going to be part of your SAP S4 HANA suite, but as such, SuccessFactors is not really an ERP. But here, you know, when you look at Unit 4, when you look at Workday, when you look at PeopleSoft, they are calling themselves as ERP, but essentially it's really an ACM application with some financial capabilities uh, for service-centric organization. That's what um, these systems really are. So the second thing they are saying is HRMS, FMS, supply chain management, customer relationship management, and enterprise performance management. Uh, the comparison here is really going to be Workday. If you remember for Workday, they had ACM, uh, they had financials, they had EPM, and my understanding is that they just had three pillars. Uh, I don't think they have a fourth one yet. Uh, you know, that's how they presented, but here they are calling themselves as more of the supply chain management platform. Sure, there's going to be supply chain uh, capabilities, but these are really geared towards the service-centric industries as opposed to product-centric uh, industries. Okay, Dave is here. Dave, do you want to introduce yourself quickly? 
Yeah, happy to, Sam. Thanks, and apologize for being late. But uh, yeah, my name is Dave Chrysler, and I own an operations consulting business working with leaders in the manufacturing space, helping them to create systems that free them to drive growth and operate with excellence. And I come to you with more than 20 years in manufacturing operations leadership roles and excited to be here with you guys. Thanks for having me, Sam. Amazing. Thanks for uh, being here, Dave. And uh, I will uh, continue with the commentary. Um, and uh, Dave, if you have any questions, obviously feel free to ask. But overall, uh, you know, PeopleSoft is really designed for the enterprises. It's a very service-centric platform. Uh, and uh, it is going to be very similar overall uh, in terms of its positioning uh, for the um, companies in terms of, uh, you know, this is a very legacy platform. So right now we don't have a clear uh, direction in terms of whether it is going to be uh, re-architected in the cloud world or not. There are going to be, uh, you know, some sort of single tenant cloud version, but as such from the technology perspective, it's not really positioned as to be, you know, re-architected for cloud. Okay, so moving right along, unless, uh, Dave, you have any other comment or question. Um, okay, um, so here they are talking about different capabilities. This is very similar to Workday that I was talking about, NB. So here, uh, you know, they have some more commentary. They are saying PeopleSoft, financial management solution, FMS, uh, supply chain management solution, SCM are part of the same package, uh, com commonly known as financials and supply chain management. And I don't know if that rings a bell, uh, but Microsoft actually likes to target their products as, as with this very similar messaging. They like to call themselves as finance and, op finance and operations, but I think they have used the, the term financials and supply chain as well as part of their offering. So it's very, 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 uh, you know, similar product overall. But, you know, Microsoft FNO is going to have far deeper manufacturing capabilities. PeopleSoft, we are going to be talking about the PeopleSoft Enterprise One, which is not really PeopleSoft. It's supposed to be JD Edwards, but they ended up rebranding that. <laughs> so that's why it is called PeopleSoft. Uh, you know, but if you look at the core PeopleSoft product, that was not supposed to have sort of the manufacturing capabilities. Now, uh, here, one of the unique pieces that you are going to find in the service-centric uh, ERP systems, and that is going to be the PeopleSoft Campus Solutions. And this is a very different uh, you know, play altogether. Typically, that is going to be offered as a, an add-on or the package, but it's typically owned by the OEM itself. So this is a very unique component that you are going to find. Uh, every service-centric uh, ERP is trying to develop these capabilities. So now the comparables here are going to be uh, Unit 4, which has very strong functionality for the, the campus and the universities, as well as uh, for the student information management. The other comparables here are also going to be Blackboard, which are really into the that not-for-profit uh, university students uh, mid-market sort of segment. And NetSuite is also going to be competing there. Uh, but this is a very interesting flavor that you are going to find in service-centric ERP. Uh, the one thing that uh, most people might not know is going to be overall when PeopleSoft started at that time, it was supposed to be more of the new technology. It was the workday of 80s and 90s because this was the only solution that was delivered over Windows. The other solutions were frame-based. That's why PeopleSoft became so popular. Uh, virtually every organization, Fortune 500 at least, uh, you know, wanted to move on to PeopleSoft. That's how strong it was in the ACM capability. If you, uh, in fact, if you really think about the market 
forces and the shift in the market. Oracle likes to argue that SAP has lost the game overall in the ERP play. But if you pay attention to how the market has moved and what SAP has done overall in the ERP play, sure, they might have lost a little bit of market share uh, overall in the enterprise space because of NetSuite, uh, because of their uh, you know Oracle fusion. But Oracle used to dominate the HCM market, which is completely gone now from Oracle. So SAP has acquired those capabilities because if you look at the enterprise HCM market, as of today, you are going to have only two vendors, which are going to be either WorkBay or SuccessFactor. There are very few organizations that are really utilizing the Oracle ECM in 2022. Most of them are trying to migrate from it because they don't know what is going to be the future of the Oracle ECM uh, solution. Uh, it's not as uh, you know uh, desirable, I would say, <laughs> as the other uh, two solutions. Um, when Oracle first got started, which was a long time ago, of course, their big claim to fame was their database. Yeah. How strong is their database used in the industry these days, Seth? Oh, they are supposed to be database company. They are not supposed to be ERP company. That's at what all. I figured. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's their gig. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you look at their, uh, you know, market penetration at this point of time, uh, in fact, Microsoft, I mean, the way Microsoft likes to work and think, they are not supposed to be an ERP company. In fact, a lot of ERP systems are actually developed on Microsoft platforms. So sometimes I'm not too sure if I follow how these companies work and think and if I understand their corporate strategy, because in a way, Microsoft is competing with their own customer. <laughs> so I don't know, uh, you know, how these customers are going to feel, but obviously there are all, always going to be uh, these strategic conflicts between uh, the, the, the companies. But Oracle, even as of today, their goal is to sell database. The only reason why they are selling ERP is because they want to sell more database. And if you look at the recent movement that they have done, you know, with their commerce department and moving to healthcare, because healthcare is going to have far more custom development. It's going to be Java pen voice, uh, you know, because of the security requirements in those industries. So Oracle has always done well in industries such as media, tele telecom, healthcare, uh, you know, any of the industries that are going to be sort of non-ERP that are not going to be investing a lot. In, that's where Oracle has always done well. And that's the market. Even Oracle is penetrating as of today. And most of the products that they are going to acquire are going to have far deeper market share, far deeper capabilities in those markets. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, Andy, but they are very database. Okay. Um so here, uh, now, and by the way, Mixi, there is one more comment that I would like to make between SAP and Oracle. SAP and Oracle, uh, they have always been fighting, as you know, uh, you know, and there is always a, a conflict between Salesforce and Microsoft because they both are fighting for the CRM market share overall, right? So typically, you know, the reason why Oracle obviously does not like SAP uh, because SAP has its own database and, you know, it doesn't really... Uh, add to Oracle's bottom line, if they were using Oracle as database, then probably, uh, you know, SAP would not have as much problem. And that's why SAP actually moved away from Oracle to HANA, because that was the strategic move that they had to make. So now they are not using, they used to use Oracle a little bit, but now they are not using uh, Oracle anymore. And that's why you have far tighter alignment of SAP with Microsoft uh, in general from the strategy. Okay, um, some more comments here. Uh, PeopleSoft version one released in late 1989, 1989, 
you know, for Andy, it might not be very old, but for us, I think it's uh, almost 40 years uh, right now. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. <laughs> of course. Uh, now, um, they had acquired sort of the manufacturing capabilities. I think they are saying PeopleSoft expanded its product range to include a financial module in 1992, distribution in 1994, manufacturing in 1996 after the acquisition of Red Pepper. And I don't know, Andy, if that rings a bell because they were in the manufacturing distribution space. Do you know them by any chance? Yeah, yeah, I remember them from years ago, but uh, I'm not really familiar with them anymore. Okay, fair enough. So we have J.D. Edwards here as well, and there was a tighter alignment. In fact, the PeopleSoft and J.D. Edwards, they were part of the same portfolio. PeopleSoft uh, you know, acquired J.D. Edwards to get the manufacturing capabilities as well as for the SMB market. So PeopleSoft originally was a very enterprise-centric product, but then mid-market was sort of booming. Before that, nobody really used ERP, but then everybody figured out that the growth opportunity was going to be in the mid-market. That's why everybody wanted to get the market share. That's why PeopleSoft ended up acquiring J.D. Edwards to get into mid-market. But overall, from the positioning perspective, I don't think this was the right alignment because PeopleSoft was really positioned for your service-centric industries, but J.D. Edwards was more of the inventory-centric manufacturing product. Uh, so it's a very interesting mix there. So here they are saying in 2003, PeopleSoft performed a friendly merger uh, with smaller uh, rival J.D. Edwards. Uh, PeopleSoft was much bigger brand overall than your J.D. Edwards, even though in the manufacturing community, you are going to find a lot more people who probably recognize J.D. Edwards, uh, you know, but PeopleSoft was much bigger brand overall in the enterprise space at least. So that's the reason why after acquiring, they ended up renaming or rebranding it uh, to call it PeopleSoft Enterprise One. But even today, I spoke to one customer today, uh, and they were on this one and they still call themselves as J.D. Edwards Enterprise One. They, they did not refer to it as uh, you know, PeopleSoft Enterprise One, even though that was the play from the branding perspective. Uh, that, Dave, I... <laughs> that, that's from my experience as well. I mean, I, I uh, was involved with an organization that uh, that had several installations of JD Edwards, and uh, after the uh, you know the merger, and even facilities today, I was on the phone with a uh, uh, a client a couple of weeks ago, and, and same thing. I don't, I, I, I don't, <laughs> I very rarely hear uh, people soft, but I I continue to hear JD Edwards. And it's good for them as well. I don't know why you would want to correlate people, uh, you know, term with an ERP, because when you look at people, it's very ACM-centric product. Most of the ACM-centric product have the, the, their branding, marketing, everything that you're going to see, you know, it's going to be have the smiling face, probably not going to have the finance person uh, that you are typically going to see in your um, uh, in your ERP marketing. So I'm not too sure. So that this is probably the rebranding did not go well, I guess, you know. <laughs> So here's some more comments here. In 2003, Oracle began to maneuver the control of PeopleSoft company. In June 2003, Oracle made a $13 million that there was a little back and forth overall in terms of that acquisition, which is very interesting overall. Then after that, in 2005, they realized that they needed to grow their Fusion application. And the whole idea of these acquisition was just to learn their architecture and understand how these products work. So what they ended up doing is they are trying to get the best of your PeopleSoft, J.D. Edwards, they have Siebel, they had a couple of more ERP systems, and they are trying to uh, incorporate all of that as part of your 
uh, fusion, um, you know, umbrella for the Oracle ERP cloud, uh, which is what is called uh, as of today. And they wanted to create that enterprise uh, product. Uh, and here is the reference, Andy. I don't know whether you can read this or not, but uh, they are saying in 2010, PeopleSoft released its in-memory uh, project discovery. It translated unstructured data into uh, uh, structured data, which then allowed users to analyze keywords and data in the services automation suite. It ran an Oracle's EXA analytics platform in memory. Uh, Oracle was doing in memory, you know, back then. But I don't know if it is going to be as capable as as HANA, uh, or maybe they are comparable at this point of time. But um, but I don't think the analytics portion uh, you can do as part of your operational database. But maybe they sort of caught up in terms of the technology. But obviously, Oracle's goal was to sell these databases and the capabilities. Once you have an ERP, then obviously you need analytics. And for analytics, you need data warehouse and database. Um, so that is the master play from Oracle. Okay, uh, some more comments here. I don't know if I have anything else here the, with the exception of the integration broker. That is probably the term still used in the Oracle uh, ERP cloud world. It's a very similar concept as your Infor OS. Uh, all of these uh, applications and the modules are going to be integrated at the application layer as opposed to at the database layer. And that typically plays a lot of role in terms of the interaction of the application and how many issues you are going to get in your applications. In general, if you have this done at the database level, typically your integration are probably going to be slightly smoother. You are probably not going to find as many. At the application layer level, when you talk about service to integration, you know, you are going to find a lot more issues. And this is probably the reason why we hear this very commonly when customers are talking about uh, Oracle's WMS interaction to its ERP, there are always issues. The same thing goes within four, Aptine, you name uh, any organization that are trying to integrate at the service layer. Typically, there are going to be issues with the application, but at least you are getting it pre-integrated so you don't have to spend $2 million. You might be spending $2 million in fixing defects. Uh, <laughs> that's a different story, but at least you are getting it. Okay, any comments, guys? No? Okay. Um, so now, when you look at the, the core functionality, and, and we were, when we were researching for this one, when we look at the, the demos, um, you are only going to be finding functionality related to your employee, you know, how your employees are going to be served, uh, how the hiring tools are going to be for your facilities, how you are going to be maintaining your assets, how you are going to be uh, inspecting them, how you are going to be doing the work order and the service functionality. So you have very deep workflow-centric functionality that is typically not going to be as relevant when your product-centric organization. So here, one of the things that you are going to find here is going to be demote employee. Now, that typically resides in your ACM product. If you explore any of the ACM product, whether you are going to be talking about your mid-market products or you are talking about enterprise products, the examples here are going to be, you know, workday, success factors, unit four, has ACM component as well, you know, but that is tightly integrated with ERP. Then some of the mid-market ones are going to be your UKG Pro. UKG is the company that they created after the merger of United and Kronos, and now they are called UKG. So they are going to have two or three different offerings. I believe they are called Pro, and then there is another name for that offering. And then you have a bunch of your mid-market products, such as your Zoho. Then have, you have Bamboo HR. So this functionality typically resides inside your ACM component, because from the data model perspective, the data model that you're going to have for 
HCM is very different than your ERP. And typically, when these two applications are going to be residing in one application, you probably have conflict in your compliance. And the reason for that is because your HR compliance is very different than your finance compliance. The kind of penalties that you are going to get because of the violation of your HR compliance are going to be very different than your financial compliance. Typically, when you are talking about data such as social security number, okay, when you are talking about data such as your uh, your people's salary, that you don't want to expose it to anybody else. Sure, ERP systems can probably handle the, the separation of duties and the segregation of responsibilities. I don't know what is the right term. I, uh, <laughs> uh, probably you guys remember that. So, uh, you know, you can probably handle that. But for the most part, for the ACM data sets, ECM uh, software are going to be better suited in general. Now, in these industries, when you talk about some of the industries that are going to be very people focused, and when I say people focused, meaning the people component need to be part of your scheduling. Even in some uh, manufacturing organizations, you are going to have people component that is going to play very deep part in your scheduling. One of the examples is going to be automotive. So typically, the way automotive companies, especially the bigger ones, what they do is they are going to have flex, they are going to have workday, and then workday typically integrates with your MES or however they are doing scheduling because they need to get the employee data, the skills, the certification, and they need to maintain the source of control. So that's why wherever you are going to have that ACM component, that is going to be very heavy as part of your scheduling whether you are talking about production scheduling, whether you are talking about service scheduling, you know, if ACM component is going to be heavy, then you are looking at a product that is going to have very deep workflows related to your employees. Typically, that's going to be a best of breed ACM product. Most of the enterprises are going to need, uh, but sometimes you might need that even for the men. Okay, so now if you actually look at their menu structure, the capabilities that you are going to have, you are not going to find anything related to inventory uh, because obviously this is not really designed for that. The majority of the features are going to be very deep into finance, very deep into HR, very deep into procurement because these service organizations are obviously very heavy with the procurement as well. But you are not going to find as much functionality inventory, operations, what you are going to find in slightly more retail distribution manufacturing centric uh, systems. So it's going to be a very different perspective. So again, this ERP is really designed for service centric industries at a broader level. You have two parallel stream in the ERP industry. One is really designed for service centric industries and the other one is really for the product centric industry. Now, when you are going to look at, you know, for example, this is a, a, a sample form. Uh, most of the universities uh, if you look at the way they operate, in fact, most of the people-centric organizations, they require one of the deepest approval flows and the workflow. You are going to see this flavor even in some of the architectural firms. Okay, so they have very complex projects and they need to do a lot of different approval. Flows. And sometimes they require those ERP systems that are going to have, let's say, five levels of hierarchy when you are going to be approving these projects. So even though they might be more of the manufacturing shop, they might be more of the construction shop, but overall from the process as well as from the workflow perspective, they are going to have equally deep workflows as you are going to find in these uh, service-centric ERP system. And that's why the customizability of the forms is very important. These business users should be able to create these forms, create those approval workflows anytime they might be able to spend off. 
Now, a lot of people are going to argue that, you know what, every single ERP system is probably going to have customizability. Easy to customize. Every, <laughs> okay. Uh, you go to Info, they are probably going to claim that. You go to Epicor, they are going to claim that. But here, we are talking about this customizability from the HR person. Whether HR people are going to feel comfortable in customizing these forms or not, so the, the, the customizability needs to be designed from their perspective. And this is where this product really shines. When you look at the workflows, the way they are designed, it's really designed from the perspective of Dave, Andy, somebody unmuted. Do you guys have comment? No? Okay. So some of the very interesting things that I have not seen in any other uh, ERP systems, I believe, is going to be capital budget amount, which is probably new, uh, you know, uh, even on the project screen. So again, that sort of impacts your financial process. Um, so this, these are some of the signals that you are looking at when you're looking at your, um, your service-centric ERPs. Uh, for example, funding source, you are probably not going to find that in the other ERPs that are going to be slightly more distribution manufacturing centric because these guys are going to be far deeper in that CapEx projects. Uh, you know, the kind of projects that they do per year, that capability has to be inside your um, ERP system. Now, this is the, the kind of, you know, form layout uh, when you are going to be looking at either Microsoft or Infor, Epicor, the way their forms are structured, they are going to be, at least in my perspective, they feel very developer friendly uh, because that's the perspective those, some of those products actually, in this particular case, when you look at the, the way these screens are laid out, is very HR centric where you don't have any sort of, you know, technical details in terms of the um, how the fields are going to appear, the color, the fonts, you don't have all of that. You The form fields are really trying to communicate about uh, how your fields are going to be, how they are going to be formed. But as, at least from the visual perspective, you don't have as much customizability. And that's what sort of isolates, okay, the developer perspective is going to be, okay, let's make the form really pretty. Okay, but here we are talking about uh, really the business functionality, business function, how can we make it easy for our business users so that it's not too overwhelming when they are going to be looking at thousand different options. Um, so that's where I think this uh, particular workflow uh, is designed and, and HR people, they really like. Um, so this is the screen for the number of steps that you can configure as part of your HR workflow or as part of your approval flow. You are going to have many different approvers. Uh, that are going to be part of that. And then you have the decision criteria. Again, we are talking about very customizable payroll approval workflows. And, you know, when you need that enterprise-grade capability, that's where this particular product is going to really shine. Some more things overall, uh, when you look at the faculty return, and now you might wonder what the hell is faculty return. And this is going to be when they are employing these teachers uh, inside your university, they are, have very different workflow for the employees. The way your employees are going to have the operational workflow inside your insurance company, banking company, manufacturing company. For the university, you are going to have a lot of different delegates, the temp teachers. Uh, you know, they are going to come back. Uh, you know, some of those are going to be industry professionals who are going to be coming back only for a few weeks. So you need all of that captured as part of your workflow. So this is exactly what this, uh, uh, you know, uh, process is trying to do. And by the way, that is all, that all impacts your financial workflow, that all impacts your operational workflow as well. So, you know, it's really your ERP workflow. 
So here we are talking about returning summer. Now my ERP folks must be wondering, what the hell is returning summer now? Who's returning here? A manufacturing product? <laughs> you, you can see the value in this, though, Sam. I mean, for a, a, a significantly sized uh, school district, you know, uh, New York State, uh, California. I mean, some of the, you know, some of those school districts are, are you know, huge in comparison uh, to uh, other states. So you can see the value of some of this just just from the human capital standpoint to be able to track who's coming and going and, and to your point, how all of that then relates throughout your financial. Exactly. And they absolutely love it. Now, imagine if a manufacturing person has to use product. <laughs> I'm going to hate it. <laughs> so that's the beauty of uh, the industry, right? <laughs> there would be some real challenges. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So if you guys don't have any other comments, we'll move to the next one. So here you are going to have features at such as has a USCID. Now, again, if you dig into your workday, you are probably going to find this. Okay, so this is the way your uh, school districts work, the way your public sector organizations work. They have to comply with the government organization. A lot more, they have to have the identification for the personnel. So again, this is going to be probably part of your ACM workflow because this product was very strong with the ACM workflow then they sort of uh, got all the financial and the ERP capabilities, but essentially it's really a same product overall from the look and feel perspective. And, the and you have things like, you know, supervisor, sponsor, attestation. I don't know what that is. Again, those are going to be the feature sets that you are going to require either for not-for-profit or people upset. Uh, now, some more operational functionality here in terms of my delegated authorities. So typically the way the delegated authorities work is let's say if a teacher is going to be sick now they have to delegate it to somebody who's going to be the next person to call now there is a complex workflow because you cannot afford to have those classes missed i i, I would say as part of your curriculum because otherwise people are not going to be finishing their degrees <laughs> in four years and that's a real problem uh, from the scheduling perspective so that's why they need to have this hierarchy of your delegated authorities uh, you know as part of the different financial as well as the operational process, um, you are going to have that as part of your payable. Um, so again, the, the kind of, you know, uh, hierarchies and the workflows and the approvals that you are going to have in these industries are very complex, way more complex um, than some of the other uh, product-centric industries. Okay, uh, some more interesting features such as proxy. Now, proxy, you know, what is that? Uh, can we find that in any of the manufacturing-centric ERP systems? You are probably not going to find that unless a manufacturing uh, ERP system is trying to play both. For example, when you are going to be reviewing ERP systems such as Pronto, uh, and I don't know whether you guys remember this or not, Pronto actually had the ACM component as part of uh, their ERP as well. So they most likely are targeting some of the service-centric industries as well. I don't know if mining is going to care uh, for those workflows. I can almost guarantee that chemical industries are going to care for those and they were very well penetrated into the laboratory industry as well as uh, in the chemicals industry and that's why they had to have the ACM component as part of the ERP so again you know which industries you are selling it drives your ERP functionality so make sure you are doing research in terms of what is their main customer and whether it is going to feel natural fit for your industry 
Okay, now when you look at the work order, and this is going to be a service order, when you are going to be comparing this with some of the other uh, ERP system, but the um, the kind of processes that you are going to have, the kind of depth you are going to have in these work orders, uh, you might not be able to find in um, other ERP systems unless they are really designed for service-centric industries. So some of the things that you are going to find in very unique terms, for example, shop. Now, what is a shop? Now, shop could be a shop, repair shop, uh, where this is getting repaired, right? That's why you have the shop. Some of the people might think that this is probably a manufacturing shop, but again, you are probably not going to, this is not really designed for manufacturing. This is a work order. So this is going to be a repair shop where this is being repaired and you need to use the right uh, functionality so that it's allocated for the right, um, you know, GL account where you want to send this. Otherwise, you are probably going to have problems. Now, you are going to find things like asset unit, asset ID, probably is going to be there in a lot of different ERP systems if they are going to be deep into the service and functionality. The places where you are going to find depth is going to be overall in terms of the hierarchy of your task and the amount of intelligence that you can have as part of each of the tasks and how that is going to impact your planning and the scheduling workflow is going to be very different. It's going to be very deep. Uh, with this ERP system. But some of the things that you might be able to notice here is going to be, you know, this is really for building. And typically these are going to be the CapEx project that these universities and cities are going to be building. And cities are always building something. (laughs) We all know that. And that's why they require that as part of uh, your ERP system. If you compare this with your manufacturing distribution, they are going to own some assets. They might construct something, but that's very rare. So that's not your core operational process. But for service-centric industries, uh, you know, cities, universities, this is probably going to be their bread and butter. Okay, the other things that you are going to notice here is going to be uh, the inventory integration with your work order. Uh, You might find this in a lot of different ERP systems, but amount of depth that you are going to have overall from the planning allocation perspective it's going to be far deeper. And this allocation perspective is going to be reserving the inventory for the work order as opposed to reserving the inventory for your sales order or for a specific customer. So that's a completely different proof. Some uh, manufacturing distribution-centric ERP systems, they might be able to support allocation. They might have light allocation functionality for service module as well, but it's not going to be as deep as uh, they are going to have as part of your purchase order, sales order functionality, service order is always going to be sort of the stepchild. But here you are going to get far deeper service order functionality, far deeper allocation functionality related to your work order, service order, sales order, purchase order might not be as sufficient. And, you know, you are going to have things such as required start. By the way, it also has the start time, which is, uh, you know, sometimes that could be harder to find uh, in a lot of different systems. So again, the scheduling is going to have the time variable as well because you are looking at these intraday jobs which can be finished in like an hour. So you need to make sure that you are accounting for that and you are able to plan based on that as well. Then you have things like overlap, which is a very different term. I don't think overlap is used in the manufacturing ERP systems. You guys need to remind me. Uh, so you have delay, you have slack. It is, it is o- overlapping operations. One, uh, the next one starting before this one's finished. But you don't set that up as such, right? As part of your, yeah, right, Dave? 
Yeah, I, I mean, not that I, not that I'm aware of. I mean, I know it happens, but I, not to my knowledge in terms of like a, a setup feature that you would, uh, that you'd be accounting for in there. I mean, I think that's more of a, you know, a function of of what's happening out on the shop floor uh, than anything. Uh, it, it, no, there are there are ERPs designed for manufacturing that do have the overlap capabilities. I, mean, I, I can tell you all about it later. Very interesting. Uh, great commentary, guys. Thank you so much. Um, but here, in my mind, I think that's very unique because, you know, when I think of the manufacturing-centric ERP system, uh, in my mind, the workflow is going to be, you, you provide your setup time, you provide your runtime, and then system is going to accommodate for the overlap automatically. You don't sort of have the option to specify the overlap. But Andy, I'm pretty sure you have seen that. And maybe those ERP systems also cover the service-centric industries, and that's probably the reason why they probably need to have that. Possibly. But, I, yeah. I, it does. Anyways, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Thank you so much, Andy. Good with that. The other thing that I, this is the, the uh, you know, when you look at the craft, and craft is a skill set, and that skill set drives your billing way. And that's a very critical piece of functionality that you need to have as part of your operational workflow. Now, you might have a resource capture, but a resource is not really an employee inside any ERP system. It's not supposed to be an employee, okay? Even though you might call it an employee, but it is not supposed to be one-to-one with the way you are paying to your employee, okay? It's just a resource. Uh, typically, what the way you are going to be treating them is, let's say, if you have two shift workers, sometimes you might lump them as part of the same resource worker. So you might have two employees, but in your ERP system, it could be just one employee, uh, you know, depending upon how you want to configure. But here, when you are looking at very specific scheduling and again this you are going to find in industries such as automotive and that's where your acm processes are going to be part of your uh, your production processes because you need to make sure number one they are certified they are trained so you might have your learning module that might be integrated with your erp because you are not going to have all of those operational workflows for hr people to be able to track you know okay here is your assignment when you complete, then I need to know whether you have completed or not, so I can grade you. Once you grade, then the certification needs to be uploaded in the ERP system, and then that resource becomes available for a specific task, because you are going to have very deep compliance requirements from the HR perspective in the production scheduling as well. So if ACM is going to be part of your uh, production scheduling, you might want to pay attention to uh, the ERP system that support the ACM processes natively, otherwise you are looking for integration uh, of HCM with, with an ER. Uh, some more comment here overall. Uh, this is also very important. Now, again, this is very unique only for the service-centric industries where you are going to have an ability to be able to allocate for the specific service order. Now, this allocation is very different from your sales order commitment allocation, from your purchase order commitment allocation. Uh, and typically, uh, let's say if you are pure play manufacturing distribution, you are probably never going to need this functionality. That's why manufacturing centric systems are never going to have the allocation as deep in their ERP system. So again, you are going to find this only in service centric ERP systems. So when you are going to look at, let's say, IFS, Unit 4, when you are going to be looking at Salesforce, Salesforce has very strong field service and the technician component, Microsoft is probably going to have very deep uh, commitment for these service orders as well. Uh, so again, pay attention to which allocation 
which commitment are we talking about when you are reviewing these systems? The scheduling complexity for the work orders. So here, it's very, very, very different and complex the way scheduling works. Most people, when they talk about scheduling, they are going to think about production scheduling. But your service and the work order scheduling could be, uh, you know, as complex because here you are not only going to incorporate your ACM component, sometimes you also need to incorporate your transportation component because more, you need to make sure that. Probably, it, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, uh, and by the way, if you are going to be uh, scheduling based on the resources and when your resources are going to be just one of kind where you have just one scientist uh, who you are trying to uh, schedule for a specific work order, they are probably going to be borderline for everything. So service uh, industries probably have very different challenges than your manufacturing industry. So make sure you guys are paying attention to that. Uh, the service, scheduling algorithm is going to be very different as well. For example, here we have one feature, always generate work orders based on the PM schedule. Now, PM becomes very important for these organizations because PM is probably, PM cannot be the bottleneck. <laughs> if they are the bottleneck themselves, then probably they are not a, a good project manager in general. So that's why you need a system that can sort of schedule uh, around PM's availability. Uh, you know, so they are probably going to be the critical component of your scheduling. That's why you have this feature. Now, PM is not as relevant in manufacturing distribution product-centric industry. They probably don't even have that role. Some comments. So obviously, our assumption based on this product was this is really the enterprise-grade product uh, designed for service-centric industry. So here, this review is coming from 2021. The comment says, handles everything what a HR manager can ask for. Okay. And here they are saying PeopleSoft HCM is very useful tool. 2021, guys. So they still love it. It's a big deal. And then they are saying more than 100,000 employees. Can you believe? That's massive. That's massive workload uh, on the system. So that's the kind of, uh, you know, scale that we are talking about. Okay. It's really, it's really designed for those organizations. Here they are saying HR professionals and employees to use after purchasing PeopleSoft, ACM, you will get a team of consultants from them, you know. Okay, so they have uh, the HR professionals uh, as part of the team, I guess, that they provide. Then uh, here they have some more commentary, change in uh, marital status and other employee-related changes very easily. So again, that's not very ERP-centric functionality. That's going to be very ACM-centric. Um, it can easily handle HR-related functionalities like payroll, work management, Yes, I agree with you. Uh, here they are saying PeopleSoft is still the best ERP for very large enterprises, but they are not being careful in terms of which inter enterprises are we talking about. So in this particular case, it is the higher education, 10,000 plus employees. Yes, you're right. This is the right enterprise for uh, you know software such as PeopleSoft. So here they are saying PeopleSoft Financials is being used across our entire organization in many facets. Uh, uh, it is used to solve numerous problems and facilitate most of our processes in some regard and to some degree we use peoplesoft for hr financials crm contracts and grants <laughs> that's a beast okay for these organizations okay so they are handling contracts and grants and obviously the systems that are going to be targeted for your service centric industries they are going to have very deep capabilities capitalized asset management that's a very different thing from the finance perspective here they are saying you really need a big enterprise to take advantage of people's soft. It is not entirely user-friendly and it often requires 
massive amounts of customization to make it work for layers, if you will, business experts can figure it out. And when they say business experts, these are the consultants, okay? Not really your internal employees. So these are going to be people like Dave who can really coach you how to do business. So you probably require a lot more consulting help uh, because it's not going to feel as intuitive. Uh, then you have, uh, you know, if you are expecting someone to easily learn how to use the time keeping module without heavy customization, it's really not for you. So basically SMB organization, this is probably not going to be a trick. Uh, some more comments here. PeopleSoft Financials remains strong in ERP and payable functionality. Uh, this is also education management, 5,000 to 10,000 employees. Here they are saying PeopleSoft Financials is being used as our consolidated account payable subledger. Now, in these organizations, they typically treat your GL as separate subledger, uh, AP as separate subledger, AR as separate subledger, and they are going to have multiple systems for all of those subledgers. Can you believe? <laughs> okay. So, in fact, let me see if you look at PeopleSoft. PeopleSoft was always used on top of SAP when it didn't have the financial capability. So that's a very interesting find that two competing solutions from two rivals are sitting on top of each other. You are going to have a lot of fun when you are going to be maintaining that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but PeopleSoft was always uh, sort of used. Now, some more comments here. Overall, from the procurement perspective, I think the procurement people are going to like this as well. Uh, but that's uh, pretty much it from the commentary perspective. Now, I'm actually going to open the floor for any commentary that you guys might have. Hey, Sam, I'll, I'll jump in here quick. Uh, we had a comment that I thought was uh, a good one. Anders had asked, uh, some of the other ERPs that uh, that we've covered have a call out for union labor specifically. Did you see anything uh, in this solution for a specific call out? I know I didn't, but you know, being in that higher education space, you would, you would expect to find something like that uh, included in here. So union, it's a very interesting comment. And when you look at the seg segregation of HCM software, even the HCM software, the way they are designed, they are either designed for your blue collar workers or white collar workers. Typically, the union functionality for blue collar workers uh, is going to be very different than your white collar workers. So when they are talking about industries such as manufacturing, construction, the kind of union functionality that you are going to require, there is going to be very different than what you are going to see here so sure, there might be some unions as part of the union, but it's not the same. And I really don't think, uh, you know, Oracle will sell to the industries that are going to have predominantly blue collar worker because that's probably, not, that's probably an oversell. And there are compliance issues in terms of where you can sell, especially the ACM software. Especially when there's multiple unions involved. Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. And when you're getting into the 100,000 employee size company. Well, that last uh, that last comment seemed to be quite out of place. That last review, if you notice, it was, I think, 51 to 200 employees on that last <laughs> review. That seemed, well, you know, especially one. just from a, a complex payroll uh, functionality standpoint, this definitely wouldn't seem to fit the bill in that case. But, you know enterprise you know the the whole enterprise position i mean it makes it even more interesting the whole jd edwards how all of that unfolded in the positioning i mean it's just completely separate uh you know solutions so it's really interesting what they are you know what they were originally trying to do how it kind of worked out where where it all fits but this definitely uh has a place uh in in the right you know in the right setting like all of the solutions that we've talked about. 
Exactly. And yeah, but the right the right setting for this product is so huge. I mean, uh, you know, Sam and I were talking about this earlier. SAP, Oracle, it's all Fortune 500 companies. Yeah, exactly. Any other commentary? All right, guys. Uh, and uh, you know, that's probably going to be a wrap. And just in conclusion, if you're looking at people's soft number one, look at the roadmap. I don't see a reason why you would be installing PeopleSoft in 2022. Just because there are better alternatives. Is PeopleSoft still marketed? Yeah, sure. uh, it's it's it definitely is. marketed and sold. It's still yeah. promoted, is it? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there are better options out there. So I don't know if um, this is the product that you want to buy. And if you are on PeopleSoft uh, as of today, then you probably want to figure out the mission path from it. And obviously, my assumption is going to be you are probably going to be enterprise and the service-centric industry. Then only you will be using. Uh, people solve for manufacturing distribution. I'm not sure if this is the right product uh, for you to explore. On that note, thank you so much for uh, joining everybody. If you joined for the first time, this is part of our industry series for which we meet every uh, Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We review one vendor or the solution. So make sure you guys are going to be here next week. We are going to come back with another solution or the vendor. On that note, thanks everyone for tuning in. Thanks so much, sir. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guest and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Dave Chrysler, head over to the Chrysler.club. C-H-E-C-R-Y-S-L-E-R.C-L-U-B. If you want to learn more about NDE Pratico, head over to esoft.com. It's E-S-S-O-F-T.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other later episodes including the interview with Brian G. Shannon, who shares his insights into the importance of centralizing shared services for large global rollouts. Also, the interview with Abu Asif, who shares his insights into the processes of cannabis businesses in Canada. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond virtually and make sure you get help. Thank you, and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.